So uh, last week we started talking about this, uh, this idea of us being in this season of the unknown. And we're looking at the life of Moses and the parallels that are there uh, with the life of Moses. And, you know, a lot of us in, in this time that we're in, uh, in this season of coming out of uh, a pandemic, uh, at least we hope, and, uh, and moving into this next season of life, it, it really has this, this feeling of wandering in the wilderness and, and wondering what, what this really looks like as we move forward and this feeling of, of now what? And so I pose the question of, are you going to pick up where you left off? Or are you going to move forward for something greater? Because I believe God wants us to move forward for something greater, to not just necessarily pick up where we left off and hope that things can go back to the way that they used to be, but for us to, to move forward and, and to maybe put aside some of our personal perspectives and preferences that, that we've uh, kind of begun looking at more because this last year has really pushed us both in, pushed us inside, literally, figuratively, spiritually, emotionally. We've all been kind of forced inside. And, and so now what do we do with this as we move forward, as we're in this place of the unknown um, and, and what that might look like moving forward. There are some things that we can learn from God's word, especially that should be the place that we go when we're in this place of feeling like we're in the unknown. We should obviously look to the word of God. But the story of Moses is one that I believe that we can all relate to in this time because he was a guy who had many unknowns. There were a lot of unknowns in his life and he knew that he was called. He knew that he was meant for more as I hope you do. I hope you know that God wants wants to use you and, and, that, and that we are all meant for more. But he was also flawed and he knew it. He was reluctant and he had low self-worth and low self-esteem at times as we all do. But he was unsure of himself and at almost every turn he had to face a problem that was bigger than he could handle and bigger than himself. And it sounds a lot like how many of us feel right now. I think we all can kind of relate with that idea. So we're gonna see what we can learn from, from the faith of Moses. We're gonna see what we can learn from his successes, from his failures, what else we can learn about ourselves, our faith, and about God. And so we're gonna be looking in Exodus chapter three today. So if you do have your Bibles, your physical Bible, you can flip to Exodus chapter three. And uh, we're also gonna be um, really hanging out there the, the entire time, and I wanna get right into it. So if you've got your Bible app on your, on your phone or personal device, you can find Connect Church in Akron, Ohio. And, uh, and you can follow along with me there. But uh, chapter three really picks up where chapter two uh, left off, um, where Moses is a shepherd. And so he is uh, keeping the flocks for his father-in-law, Jethro. And when he's there, the angel of the Lord appears to him in a bush that is on fire, but is not burning up. This is the story of the burning bush, um, of Moses and the burning bush. And so maybe you've heard this story before or an aspect of it. Um, I really hope that God shows you something a little bit different today uh, in, in this story that maybe you didn't notice or recognize or even know before. So we're going to be right at the beginning of the chapter, uh, chapter 3, beginning right in verse 1. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight. Why the bush does not burn up? Yeah, I think I would too. Um, 
So he's watching sheep, and he sees this bush that's on fire, which as, you know, as a shepherd, you're like, I don't, really don't want my sheep to burn up. And so he goes over to check this out, and the bush is not actually burning. Like, it's burning, but it's not burning. Um, an interesting thing about this story is the mountain that's mentioned, uh, Horeb, actually ends up being Mount Sinai. So this place that he starts in hearing from God um, comes full circle at the end because Mount Sinai is where he was given the Ten Commandments later on. So this is before, this is, this is really Moses being called and commissioned by God, and the way in which this happens is incredible. But I want to point something out here and kind of go off on a, a little bit of a sidebar for just a minute because this is huge and this is important. And at the same time, I'll just warn you right now, this is something that kind of fires me up and is, and is awesome when you see it in God's word, okay? So I've got this highlighted, the angel of the Lord. The angel of the Lord, capital L-O-R-D. Now, have you ever wondered when you're reading in your Bible and you see the word Lord and it's spelled differently and you see like capital Lord, so you got Lord, 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 right? The, the, the th kind of the, the three different versions of that, that word. Um, you could put that slide up now if you want. Um, so you've, you've got these, right? Lord, Lord, and then Lord, you know, you got like the, and, and so you're like, what, why is that? Have you ever wondered that? You're like, man, whoever was typing this just kept their caps locked down a couple of times or what? Well, it's, it's intentional. Okay. So, and I want to show you why this is so cool because when you see that in your Bible, some translations have this, some do not, okay? It just depends on, on which one you're looking at. But, but for the most part, when you see the capital L-O-R-D, this is a big, big deal. And I'm going to show you why. The angel of the Lord here, when it's the capital L-O-R-D, it is, it is really Yahweh, the original, right? Okay, the Bible wasn't written in English. We know that, okay? I hope we all know that. Um, so the translations here, um, we have to kind of to, to really get the full picture as to why this is a big deal. The capital L-O-R-D is referring to Yahweh, God, the presence of God in, in, in him there. And so when we see that, we need to take note of this. The angel of the Lord is mentioned many times in the Old Testament, and this is essentially Jesus, and this is an important thing because a lot of times we think about the Old Testament and we think about the New Testament in, in separate ways. And, and let me just tell you that the entire Bible points to Jesus from Genesis to Revelation. The entire Bible does, and you see him throughout. And I'm telling you right now, when you see this, this is going to change the way you read the Old Testament because you're going to see Jesus throughout the Old Testament. There are times throughout the Old Testament that are referred to in theology. They're called theophanies. And I'm not going to get too nerdy here for a second, but I will for just, just a minute. They're called theophanies or Christophanies, as Elmer Towns liked to call it when I was at uh, doing Liberty Online. They, he, he liked to call them Christophanies. And it's where we see Jesus in the Old Testament. And this is one of those moments. And this will completely change the way that you read the Old Testament and unify your view of scripture and of Jesus. I want to flip to um, you don't have to right now because I'm going to put it on here. Colossians chapter 1, and I want you to, to look at, the, at these verses here, 15 through 16. Now remember, when Paul's writing this, when he's thinking about Scripture in the Bible, he's thinking about what? The Old Testament, right? The Torah. That's the Bible to him. It's the Old Testament. He's not sitting here writing this going, you know, I think I'll write a book of the Bible. So he's writing this in his previous knowledge of, of God. And he says this, Christ is the visible image 
of the invisible God. Okay, right there. I hope some old, if you know stories in the Old Testament, should start coming to mind. Okay? He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things that we can see and the things that we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. This is a big deal. So here's, a way, here's an easy way to think about this. We, we've seen this statement, Jesus is Lord, right? Jesus is Lord, and we believe that, and we say amen to that. But when we see Jesus is Lord, capital L-O-R-D, um, we can know, reading through Scripture, that's a really kind of easy way to look at that. That when you're looking at the Old Testament and you see the capital L-O-R-D, you can know that that is a theophany, and that is Jesus in that moment. Granted, this is before he was born, and so I'm not going to get too deep into all of that, but just know that John chapter 1 says that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and so who was the Word? We know that was Jesus. Jesus was there at the beginning. Have you ever read the verse in Genesis where it's God talking, and he says, let us create man in our own image? Who's he talking to? The Trinity has been there the whole time. The visible image of the invisible God. Jesus is Lord, and he's there. How many of you remember, maybe you do, 2013, when um, there was a show that was on TV that was uh, called The Bible? Anybody remember that show called The Bible that was on? Now, it was a okay um, show, um, but there was, there was something that was really, really cool in it. And then I promise we'll move on here with the story of Moses. But this was really cool in this show. And my wife probably remembers this because I about jumped out of my seat. And so they, they start with these Old Testament stories and they're going through Abraham and they're going through Moses and they go through, you know, Jacob and Isaac and all those. And there are moments in those stories where it says the angel of the Lord came and spoke to them. And there was one is like in a, uh, the, the tent of meeting and the angel of the Lord shows up. And I, I, think, it, I think it was the, uh, the story of Abraham. And, and it's the angel of the Lord comes in, but he's just got like this Jedi robe on and you can't see his face and all of that. But the actor they got to play the angel of the Lord was the actor that played Jesus later on. And anytime you heard the voice of God, it was the actor that played Jesus. And I was like, yes, Finally, they got, they got that, you know, like, that's like a cool theology moment that they got right. The rest of the show is a little spotty, I'm going to be honest. <laughs> but that was cool, and they got that right. By the way, if you haven't seen The Chosen, they got a lot of that right, if not almost all of it. It is a great show. It is a fantastic show. If you haven't watched it, it will change your perspective on Jesus, just like I hope the Word of God does today for you as well and changing your perspective on Jesus because Jesus has always been there and always will be. And we're gonna get into that more as we go through here. And so at this moment, at the burning bush, God calls out to Moses and he calls out to him and God then begins to reveal a number of characteristics and a number of things to Moses, but not about Moses, about himself. He begins to reveal things about God and this is an important thing to note. Because the character of God is an important thing because as we get to know God more and we build our relationship with him more, we need to know more about him and it increases our understanding of him. And so let's go to verse four. 
Let's go to verse 4 here. It says, When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, Here I am. And so the first thing that Moses hears God say, the angel of the Lord say, is his own name. He says his own name to him. And this really goes to show the personal nature of God and him calling him the value that God has on personal relationships. We are not his minions. We are not his minions. We have value. We are important to him. He knows us by name. He knows you by name and loves you and calls you by name. And he wants to use you. And you're going to see that theme as we go through this. Let's go to verse 5. Verse 5 and 6 here. It says, Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And at this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. And so not only was the removal of his shoes a sign of respect, which it absolutely was because he was in the presence of God. Like, get your head around that for a quick second. Just being in the presence of God. I think sometimes we read through these things and he's in the presence of God. And so he removes his shoes, but it was also a posture issue because in the day, servants usually did not wear shoes. So from the very beginning, Moses is saying, I'm, I'm your servant, right from the very beginning. And, and so God reveals himself in this moment by, he, and he starts with declaring some relationships with, with the patriarchs, God of Abraham, God of Isaac, Jacob. Why would he do that at this moment? Why would he do that in this moment? Well, there's a couple important things to remember here. Not a whole lot had been revealed about God to people at that time. We have the privilege now of having the, the entire word of God right now and, and, and God's revelation to us and understanding and, and reading all of these things about God. Up to this point, not much had been revealed about God and not hardly anything, if anything, had been heard from God in 400 years to God's people. And so God needed to basically tell him, this, I'm not a new God, I'm the God that's, that's always been there. And though 400 years had passed, I have not forgotten, and I am still at work. And here's the thing, guys. For us, now, he is still the same God. He is the same God that he was in Genesis 1 as he is all the way through the end of the book of Revelation. He was the same God then as he is now. He is the same God and always will be. And in your life right now, it might seem like 400 years have passed and like God has not heard you and God feels unknown to you. In many ways, these last, this last year felt like that for a lot of people. You may feel like he's not working. You might feel like at this point, his plan and his purpose have really just gone by the wayside. But let me just say this. He is still the same God, and he is still working. He was working then, and he is working now, whether you see it or not. Let's move on to verse 7. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. Look at what we're learning here about God, about his character. Let me read this quote to you from author Tim Chester. 
Here's what he writes. God is above us, but he is also among us. Most of us know what it is like to be forgotten by God or when God seems far away. Perhaps you feel that right now. You cry out because of your suffering, just as the Israelites did. And you feel as perhaps they felt that God doesn't hear or isn't interested. But God says, I have seen, I have heard, I am concerned. God is not separate, or God is separate, he is not distant. God is separate, he is not distant. This is an important thing to understand and to know. He is separate because he is perfect and he is holy. And holy means to be set apart. And that is a good thing. Let me just say that that is a good thing, that God is separate and not distant. It is a good thing because the fires of this world will consume us, but they will not consume him. They will not consume him. So yes, we need to respect his holiness. We need to realize that he is set apart But we also need to realize and remember that he cares and connects to our needs. He always cares and connects to our needs, though it may not be in our timing. And it may not be in the way in which we think it is. Let's keep reading. Verse 10. So now go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Who am I? Um, You ever felt that way? Yeah, same. Often. I think we've all felt that way in in, in different ways, for sure. I've felt this way many times. Just like Moses, we question ourselves instead of trusting in the Lord. We question ourselves instead of trusting in him. If he calls you to it, he will bring you through it if you keep your focus on who he is instead of who you're not. Let me say that again. If he calls you to it, he will bring you through it because we have to keep our focus on who he is instead of who we're not. And that's basically what God tells Moses to do as we look in these next verses because that's, that was the way in which Moses was questioning God here and asking him this question. And I love God's response. Take a look at this here in verse 12. And God said, I will be with you. And this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. I am who I am. You know what's awesome about that? The complete reversal of Moses' concern here, both literally and figuratively. Because It's not who you are, Moses. It's who I am. Because Moses says, who am I? And God's like, it's not who you are. It's who I am. 
he flips that completely on his head. And this is, goes back to the, the, the name of God is really the verb to be. It's, it's really a word of action and, a, and of, of life and of, of existence that is here in this moment. And so God is involved with his people and he is so committed to setting them free that he will reveal this very personal name to Moses as a sign for the people. And so I love the fact here that God removes all of Moses' objections in this moment. Every objection that Moses could come up with, God removes them in two verses. In two verses. And I'm sure Moses was about to start rattling off a list of of sins and and shortfalls and disqualifications in his own mind um, for what God was calling him to do. And and Moses actually does do that in the next chapter. We're going to look at that next week. But you do too, and so do I. Moses call, uh, God calls us to do things, just like Moses call, was called by God to do things, and we sit and can come up with excuses and come up with reasons, and God just needs to, to stop us and say, I am who I am. So whatever sins you believe that you have, whatever your sins, God can still use you to bring him glory, because that is what he does this is, you're going to see this theme kind of continue throughout here. Whatever your fill in the blank, God can still use you to bring him glory. God dismantled all of those thoughts in Moses' mind in that moment because of who he is. Jesus is Lord. And he was in the burning bush. He was in the fiery furnace. He was walking with Adam and Eve in the garden. He was, we can go through all of these other theophanies throughout, uh, throughout the Old Testament and into the New Testament. And he is the same Lord today that he was then. And it's not going to be easy. In fact, I can almost guarantee you that it's probably not going to be easy. Is there going to be more doubt ahead? Yeah, probably. We're human. We're going to talk more about that next week as well. But he removes any objection that you can come up with to do what he's called you to do because he loves you so much. Look at what Paul said here in Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5, Paul says this, but God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Can, Can we just take a minute and think about the weight of, of this right here. He is good. Think about this. God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were sinners, he still died for you and for me, even while we were still sinners. That removes any objection that you can come up with. Any objection that you and I come up with, you're like, but, but this, but, but, but nothing. Stop it. But nothing. He loves you anyways. He loves you so much that he died for you. So soak this in for just a second. How big of a deal this is. And then look down a little bit further in the chapter. In verse 20, he said this, the law came in so that the offense would increase, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. So that as sin reigned in death, so also grace would reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Sin increased, and God's like, yeah, well, so did grace, so there. The grace of God reigns through the best version 
of right living that you can come up with because your version is not going to be enough. But he is. He is always enough. There's this quote from a pastor um, named Mark Batterson. And it says this. Um, God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. And you may have heard this before, or a version of this before. And it's a great quote, and it's an inspiring quote. But it's also a quote that can be taken out of context. It's a quote that can be, can be used in the wrong way. And I agree with this statement when it's, when it's used in the right perspective. Um, from a certain point of view, because it can definitely be misconstrued. And don't get me wrong, Mark Batterson is awesome. I love the guy. Everything he's written is awesome. He's got a few videos, uh, video series on Right Now Media that are killer. So I would, I would just uh, encourage you to go look for those. Uh, those guys, dads, there's a really good one called Play the Man um, that's awesome. I, I can't encourage you to go uh, watch that one enough. But let me just talk about this statement for a quick second here. As you think about this, as it applies to yourself. Moses was qualified. He was qualified. He was humble and submissive to God. And he didn't give himself enough credit. But make no mistake, he was qualified for God to use him to take on such a huge task. He didn't realize it, though. He didn't realize it. God actually does call the qualified. But it's because he qualifies us and he qualifies you through your struggles, through your experiences, through your influence, through your faithfulness, through you being a good steward of his word, through the responsibilities that maybe he's given you. And he also qualifies you through your failures. And when we come up short, he uses those times to qualify us, to move us into what he wants us to do. He's never going to give you something that he doesn't believe he can handle through you when it comes to leadership and a calling. It's going to be tough, and it's not always going to work out, and you're going to need to rely on him in all of that. And that's why the connection point for the day is this. God calls us because of who he is and because of his love for us. He calls us because of who he is and because of his love for us. We need to seek more of Jesus and more for Jesus. Moses' past didn't keep him from being God's voice. And neither will yours. If God's calling you to something and calling you to be a part of something and to be used for his kingdom... There's nothing in your past that's going to disqualify you from being able to do that because it's about who he is and his love for you and for his people. Moses was not called to be the voice of God to the Pharaoh because of his perfect record. He wasn't called because he had a long list of successful negotiations against dictators that wasn't on his resume. God didn't even call Moses because he was a great speaker. He, he wasn't. And we're going to talk about that next week as well. Didn't call him because he had the right skill set. Moses was qualified in other ways that mattered more to God and more to the mission. 
Because those things, those skill set things and stuff, those are things that God can bring along as soon as he needs them. It's because of who he is, his relationship to us, and his love for us. And we are able to do the things that God calls us to do because he is with us. And he is with you. Will you bow your heads with me? The message to Moses that day at the burning bush was this. I'm going to change history through you. That's what God tells Moses. Don't worry about what you'll say. Don't worry about who you are. Worry about any of that stuff. You need to worry about who you are and the power you have at your disposal because of God. You need to worry about who's with you. And maybe some of us right now in here, we need to stop worrying about some of those other things and and, and start remembering who's with us and the power of God that is with us because that same God is still speaking to us today, still calling us to serve him. So are you listening? Maybe you don't have a relationship with God and you need to make that, get that right and have that happen today. I'd love to pray with you. I'd love to show you in God's word how you can know for sure that you're going to be with him in heaven so that he can connect you to your purpose in this life. If you're watching online, you can go to connectchurch.xyz slash next for information about that as well or just comment in the chat and somebody will reach out to you. We are called because of who he is and his love for us. But we need to be listening. Father, I thank you so much that you love us so much. Lord, I thank you that you reveal yourself to us, that you are a personal God that loves us and that calls us by name. You know each of our names. You know all of our qualifications or lack thereof, Lord, and and those things don't matter because you are with us. Remind us of that this morning. Lord, you you have called us to something higher. You have called us to something greater, not because of us, but because of you and because of who you are. We worship you. We praise you for that today, God, and we give it all to you. Help us to have the courage to step forward and, and do what you've called us to do, God. And if there's one here that doesn't know you as Savior, Lord, I pray that today might be the day that they get that right. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen.